The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Just want to take a minute, and I don't do things like this near enough, but to express my appreciation just watching uh, Jeremy this morning reminds me how much I appreciate these folks that uh, everybody that works with him. Uh, saw Rachel here and Adam and and all the team that comes in and plays. I mean, you guys know, like I get paid to be here, you know. Uh, but a lot of them, uh, I, I was talking to Jeremy this morning. I know he's worked ten or twelve hours pretty much every day this week, and uh, except for yesterday, I guess he got off. And uh, you know, and then to come in and and uh, spend the extra time on Sunday so we can worship. That's pretty awesome. I think that's pretty good. Forgot an announcement. Very very important announcement. Next week is Baptism Sunday. We have a few folks lined up for baptism. But if you would like to be considered or be included in that, not too late to let us know. Uh, so that is part of the service next week. We're also going to be announcing some of you that have turned in your membership. Uh, applications. Uh, we'll announce that this week, too, and uh, have just a good time. I'm already looking forward to next week, but not as much as I am this week because we have a brand new series from the book of Daniel. So I'm like a little kid here with a new toy. You ready? The book of Daniel, chapter 1, is what we are going to look at today. I've told you before that I, when, I, when I'm preparing, I don't know if this is lazy or modern, but rather than doing a lot of reading uh, commentaries and things like that, I like to find sermons that somebody else has preached on the text. And uh, I'll probably listen every week at least two, sometimes even more than that, I'll listen to sermons that somebody else has preached. You say, well, is that stealing other people's material? Honestly, no, it is not. That's kind of a univer- you know, communal thing. You know, yeah, somebody else said this. I'm taking that. And you ought to be glad I do that. Otherwise, you would just hear my thoughts. Uh, but I get to steal them from other people and do that. But uh, this week, I thought it was interesting because as we talk about this whole idea of thriving in exile, I was listening. First, I listened to a sermon from the 1800s. They say, how did you listen to that? They didn't record it. Uh, they read uh, Charles Spurgeon's sermons online. So I was, I was actually listening to it while I was pulling carpet. Uh, so I'm listening to that one. I listened to one from the uh, 1990s, and I listened to one from about 2012. I was listening to different sermons. And they were talking about this idea of being in exile, okay, this, this idea. And they were just talking about the world in which they lived, how it was anti-God, if you want to say it like that. So in 19... Uh, I'm sorry, 2013, the guy was talking about the idea. And some of you will remember this from 9-11 back 10 years prior to when this guy was talking or so. Uh, he was talking about, you might remember this because this was kind of an awesome day. Uh, they had a service after 9-11, and they had Billy Graham speak. Does anybody remember that? It really was pretty neat because Billy Graham just flat out preached the gospel. And the whole nation listened to it. I mean, he was just like, bam, here you go. Jesus loves you. Uh, you need a Savior. Uh, men are sinful. They need to repent and turn to God. It was just like, wow, that was incredible. And, uh, but what this preacher was lamenting a little bit, he said that was 10 years ago. He said they just had a memorial service or a remembering service, and there was no mention of God at all in the service you know, the national service to remember 10 years later. And he said it's sad that in 10 years we moved that far. 
Then this guy that was preaching in the 1990s, he was talking about the same thing. He was just talking about how incredible our culture is becoming more and more godless. The different areas where God is pushed out of just public places. Well, actually what he was lamenting was Christmas. He was just saying how, you know, it's like you can't even really talk about Jesus at Christmas time anymore. Uh, you know, in fact, he was reading something that colleges has put out that said, hey, students, be very careful that your holiday parties do not turn into Christmas parties. <laughs> that was the admonition. you got to keep Christ out of it. And he was lamenting that. Then, um, way back in the 1800s, Spurgeon's talking, and what he's, he's, again, he's talking about the same idea. He said, it's amazing how our culture is moving away from God. And he was lamenting the lack of honesty in the political leadership of the time in the 1800s, uh, and, and also the immorality. And you know, he's going through this, and I was just thinking about that whole idea. You know, All these guys started their sermons with, hey, let's look at our culture and just see how we're moving away from God. Truth of the matter is, though, I don't really even have to do that. I think we could cite some things today and say, hey, yeah, wait a minute. Uh, we're getting more and more godless in a lot of ways, and this is dangerous. We definitely could do that. But the Bible already tells us that we live in exile. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote, uh, many times, and he talked about us being strangers in this world. He said, our citizenship is in heaven. He said, this is in our home. We are in exile. Uh, Peter wrote, and he said, the things on this earth are not yet resolved. We've got to wait till we get to heaven. This world is still kind of messed up. And, of course, Jesus told us that, uh, that, if, that he has chosen us out of the world, and if we have a love for the world, we don't have a, you know, it's, it's not the same. We can't expect the world to always love us, stuff like that. He said, hey, you're in a different land. Okay, you are living in exile. So as we look at how to navigate, like you know, I've heard uh, different people, friends of mine lately, people my age, I know this is old-time talk. They need to do a progressive commercial on this. Uh, but uh, stop you from becoming. But uh, I've heard a lot of people say something like this, and maybe some of you have said something like this. I, I hate to think about the world that my kids and my grandkids are going to have. Okay. Some of you can connect with that. I mean, sometimes it looks like I don't, I don't like where, where I see things are going, and I hate to think about that. You know, I wish they could have, and I, I know that's old-timer talk, but at the same time, there is definitely an element of truth to that where we look and say, man, things aren't in the, heading in the right direction. We're living in a land that is not uh, focused on God. We're living, and, and I don't mean a land, not even talking about the country so much, it's just a world that uh, sometimes God is not a priority and we want to be a priority in our lives. So let's look at how Daniel navigated this. This was a guy who lived this life for 70 years, and then he wrote a book about it. He wrote 12 chapters, and uh, we're going to hit all 12 chapters. I'm telling you that because if you're familiar at all with the book of Daniel, the first six chapters are his story, his narrative. The last six chapters are prophecy, and I'm telling you that ahead of time because I've never really preached on prophecy around here, and we are going to do it. We're going to be brave. We're going to be bold. We're our design in the next six weeks, one of the two. But, but, uh, but no, we're going, to, we're going to tackle all of the book of Daniel and just see. And, you know, if we want to talk about our world and want to talk about the hardships and how it seems like God is not part of our world, I think Daniel would laugh at some of the things we would list and say, is that all you got? <laughs> Seriously, is that all you got? Let me tell you about my world. So let's look at his world, beginning in verse number one. Uh, his story goes like this. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem, and he besieged it. The old style of cutting off a city completely. It was besieged. Uh, tried to starve them out. 
And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Shinar, uh, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the young people of Israel, both of the royal family and of nobility, use without blemish, of good appearance, don't pick any ugly ones, uh, skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and teach them literature and the language of the Chaldeans. The Chaldeans kind of interchangeable with the word Babylon. The Chaldean culture was uh, engulfed by Babylon, so when you see that word, it's the same idea. Uh, there, so, uh, so we're going to take the best of the best and we're going to bring them to our land. And the king assigned them a daily portion of the food the king ate and of the wine that he drank. And they were to be educated there three years. And at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. And among them were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel, he called Belteshazzar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach, and Azariah, he called Abednego, okay, Abednego, okay? Now, some of you, if you ever went to Sunday school or vacation Bible school or anything like that, you have heard the stories of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? You've heard that story, and Daniel even, Daniel in the lion's den, you got all that down, right? Okay, I hate to tell you this, but i got to take a few minutes and give you the... Uh, at least PG-13 version of that kid's story, okay? It might even be a step beyond PG-13, some of the things I want to tell you, because, you know, we tell the kids, oh, yeah, the king came in, and they were taken away, and, you know, it's kind of, you have these little puppet figures, and here goes Daniel and his buddies, and they're taken over there, and it's a nice little story. But when you really think about it, and you play through the events of this story, not in any way a nice little story. Uh, let's talk about some of the things that they face. First of all, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. Uh, if you put together, and you all probably know from history, most or many of the leaders uh, po were power crazed, and they were just crazy. They were wacko. I guarantee Nebuchadnezzar would make your top five. Okay, I mean, he was out there. Uh, he was a total nut job. Babylon itself, his kingdom, is a name that has become synonymous with evil. Okay, at the end of the book of Revelation, the Bible says that Babylon has fallen. Well, it's not talking about the city of Babylon. That fell a long time ago and will never be rebuilt. Saddam Hussein tried, didn't work out too well for him. Babylon will never be rebuilt. When it talks about Babylon falling, what it is talking about, it's kind of a metaphor for evil, this evil kingdom. So the very name, this, this place that Daniel and his buddies are taken into are so associated with wickedness and evil. That's the start. That's where he has to go. Uh, we find that he is taken from his family. He's probably in the neighborhood of 14 or 15 years old. Okay, got that? How old are you now, Preston? 13, okay. Preston, how old are you? Uh, Ties? Okay, we're taking those two. We're yanking them out. Look at them. They're already sliding over closer to their mothers. Uh, mommy, don't let this happen. Uh, but if you can somehow imagine that that is what is happening there, they're coming in and they're being yanked from their homes. I mean, this was a plan of conquering. Break up the families. Let me say that again. This is a plan of conquering. Break up the families. The very core of civilization, the family unit. Let's break it up. Having been in education for 30 years, I will say this without apology, and if you want to argue with me, this I will argue with you about. Uh, most things I would just say, oh, that's nice that you believe that way, but the most important element of education has always been the family. I'm going to say that again. I, I watched it for 30 years. And you say, no, it's the curriculum. No, it's... 
No, it's the family. It has always been. This is the core of our civilization, the families. Okay, so what are they going to do? They're going to come in and rip the families apart. And by the way, it went beyond just these youths. That's what they would do. Diaspora, they'd spread them out. When Babylon came in and conquered, that's what they would do. Uh, They'd rip them apart. Third thing, okay, here's where my ratings is a little questionable, but uh, or maybe we need to up it a little bit. The guy that took over Ashpenaz, his name actually has in it the meaning, the idea of a eunuch, and he's called the prince of the eunuchs. Some translations don't use that term. Uh, the ESV that I read from does, uh, that uh, he was a prince of the eunuchs. Now, this is that the Bible doesn't actually say this. I want to make that clear. But if you study the history of the time, it is more than likely that uh, these young men were castrated. Okay, uh, there's no sign of them ever marrying or anything after that. So at the age, <laughs> I'm sorry, I was not going to look at Titus and uh, Preston again. No, uh, but it, it was more more than likely that uh, that that ha- that that happened. And again, I mean, think about this. You know, again, we we studied a little children's story, and here's these little puppet figures going across. Oh, they went into captivity. They yanked from their homes into a wicked, wicked place, and very likely, at least his, history would tell us that. And then they're told right away to violate their faith. The dietary rules that they had practiced, uh, the meat that they were given now, of course, was not kosher at all. So the things that they were told, a way that they should live uh, before God and obedience to God, right away they are told to violate their faith. And then... Their names are changed. What's that all about? <laughs> I happen to know what Daniel means, since uh, that is my name. Uh, but uh, Daniel means that God is my judge. The others' names are uh, very similar. The, the three Hebrew children, uh, Hananiah means Yahweh has been gracious. Mishael means who is like the Lord. Azariah means Yahweh has helped us. He has strengthened us. They all had names of significance. They all had names associated with their identity in God and following him. So they were given new names. Belteshazzar is the new name of Daniel. And uh, that has to do with uh, asking the false god of Marduk to protect them. Okay, so he's given a totally, and the, uh, the other three, their new names also had to do with the false gods of Babylon. One of them was the moon god. Uh, I forget, I have, you know, listed what exactly they were. But basically, they're going to attack them, uh, and they're going to tear at their identity. I think we can overemphasize pretty much everything, but this idea of our identity in Christ really is crucial. And that is why the things I I like to try to preach and teach around here, uh, I want to constantly remind you that because of Jesus Christ, because of his shed blood, I want to remind you who you are in him and what he says about you and understand that those things are true. Uh, Because look at this attack right here. Let's attack their identity. Let's change that. Let's give them these different names right away. So they have faced all of these things. And yet, and yet in the midst of all this, we find that Daniel was not content to simply survive, but that he figured out a way to thrive. The reason I say that, I'm going to jump to the end of the chapter for a second. We're going to come back. The end of the chapter, it says, In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired them, he found them to be, ready, ten times better. And all the magicians and the enchanters that were in the kingdom, okay? So these guys that followed God, ten times better. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus, okay? Seventy years, ouch, seventy years Daniel was there. 
He survived seven different Babylonian kings. That never happened. You know how today a new president comes in, he gets rid of everybody, gets everybody new. The kings were even worse because a lot of times they got everybody killed. <laughs> yeah, he might be disloyal. Let's kill him. Uh, so for somebody to survive from king to king to king was unheard of, and Daniel survived through seven. Okay, so in other words, Daniel, despite what we talked about, everything that happened, ripped from his family, very possibly castrated, uh, brought, you know, and, and put into this evil, wicked kingdom, everything like that, Daniel still figured out a way to thrive. We better learn. <laughs> How did he do this? How did Daniel manage to thrive in this situation? Verse number eight, I'm backing up here and continuing with our story. Okay, Daniel has just been told, you know, they got to eat the king's meat and drink the king's wine. And, and this is the part you might remember from uh, VBS someday. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. First thing that I want to do is just take a minute. Um, and this is actually from some notes for a guy named Warren Wearsby, but he said that Daniel gives us some great principles, listen, for dealing with a conflict with authority. When you get involved with a conflict with authority, there's three good principles. I want to point those out real fast, and then we'll look at Daniel's thinking as far as how he did that. But the first thing it did is says Daniel resolved in his heart. Okay, uh, let, let me quote the King James Version. Daniel purposed in his heart. Daniel made up his mind, first of all, that what he was going to do is right. Okay, I'm going to do the right thing. Uh, no matter what, I want to do what is right. I'm going to purpose that I'm going to obey God. I'm going to make up my mind. I'm going to do that. Now, the next step from there, Daniel wanted to not only do what was right, he wanted to do right in the right way. So it's, and it says in here that he had found favor and compassion with the king. Um, on Friday of this week, yeah, we got... Uh, uh, I, I mentioned earlier in the year we've had a little termite issue around here. Well, the termite guy... Came on Friday. You know, he was waiting for the spring thaw, and uh, he came in, in on Friday. But uh, he was training a new termite guy, so the, the new kid was putting in the, the termite stuff, and this guy was out sitting in his truck supervising, so I thought well, I'll go out and talk to him a little bit because that's my type of work. Uh, so, so anyway, I was out there talking to the guy, and I was just making conversation, and, and one of the things I said to him, uh, you know, I just, I, I'd heard a lot of people are having trouble getting workers. Some of you uh, in the workforce, you know that very well, don't you? It's awfully hard uh, uh, to get workers right now. So, uh, so I just said to him, I said, hey, how's it going? I said, hey, how many guys work for you? And he said 40-some or whatever like that. And I said, you, you doing all right getting workers? He said, no. And uh, I said, what do you mean? He said, no. He said, I just hired a, a guy today that I had to let go. Uh, he called off sick. And I said, man, that's pretty harsh. Guy, you know, he's sucking termite stuff all day. Sure, <laughs> he called off sick. But he said, no. He said, he said he started with me two weeks ago. He's been late every day but one. And then today he called off. Now, let me re remind you what he just said. The guy's been late every day. Uh, and then he called off. He didn't get fired because he called off one day. Now, I'm sure his story would be, I got sick one day and they fired me. Okay, that's his story. Truth of the matter is, he had a terrible relationship with his boss to begin with because he was late every day. Okay, when you have a right kind of relationship because you are not an obnoxious jerk uh, and you already have that, that changes things around. Obviously, Daniel was not an obnoxious jerk, honestly. Now, not that Christians would ever be obnoxious and self-righteous and arrogant and condescending. 
Yes, we would. And sometimes, and I've heard people sometimes, I lost my job because of my witness and my testimony. Yeah, you might have lost your job because you were obnoxious uh, for a long time, and they were looking for an excuse to fire you. Daniel was not the type that would give somebody an excuse to fire him. Daniel had a good reputation. Okay, you got, got that? So he found that. So, so if we're looking for principles here, number one, when you have a conflict with authority, you want to resolve to do what is right. Secondly, you want to be in a right relationship with people. And the third one, let's read on a little bit. The chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king who has assigned your food and your drink. Uh, that's going to tick him off. My life's going to be in danger if I don't make you eat this. So in other words, Daniel, first of all, requests to this guy, and the guy says no. Then Daniel said to the steward, he says, well, let's try a different avenue. The chief of the eunuchs who has assigned this food, look at verse number 12, test your servants. Let's try this. Give us 10 days, and we'll eat veggies, and we'll drink water. Okay, let's try this. Okay, remember we had, first of all, you want to uh, determine that you're going to do the right thing. Okay, you're going to resolve is the first thing. Second thing, you want to have the right relationship. And the third principle we have here is request an alternative. Okay, you don't have to always demand something. Sometimes you're just going to say, hey, could we work this out? Okay, can we do this instead? Can I make a little? Again, it's about having that right relationship. Somehow Daniel tried to figure out a way to do that. Okay, so I, I want to work that in there. I think those are three real good, good helpful principles as far as when you have a conflict with authority. First of all, you resolve to do right. Secondly, you have the right relationship. And thirdly, then you request an alternative rather than demanding. However, the biggest thing that I want us to take away from chapter 1 has to do with Daniel's attitude or Daniel's thinking. And it revolves around one very important word. And that word is our second word up there, the four-letter word, the word gave. You will find that word in verse number 2 of chapter 1, and you will find it again in verse number 17. But then you will also find several other places where God gave something. And I want, I want to talk to you some about the things that God gave Daniel to survive. Okay? One of the first things that God gave them, we already mentioned, is the idea is God gave favor. Okay? God, you understand what that meant? God changed the way people viewed him. Now, I want to encourage you with this uh, because I think this is something parents we should be praying for for our kids. God, would you give them favor? They're going for a job interview. God, would you give them favor? They're going for a college interview. God, would you give them favor? Uh, they're starting a new school. God, would you give them favor with that teacher? God, would you give them favor in this, in this situation? And we want to pray about that, you know, even in our own lives. God, you control what people think. Okay, okay, quick question here, parents. Did you ever have a teacher that hated your kid? Now, my daughter, everybody liked my daughter, uh, but my son, he could, <laughs> he, could, he, could work, he could work a few times. And I just remember how hard those years were because it's like the year started and you could tell the teacher didn't like him from day one. And the kid was yet enough like me. I don't understand how anybody could not like him, but, uh, but, she, but she didn't and, and, and different things like that. But how much this could change our life and what a great thing just to make us part of our prayers because God can control what pe people God does control. <laughs> it's like one word from him. That could be a song. We should sing it sometime. If you weren't paying attention, we did that at the beginning of the service. Uh, but he's an authority, and God can move the hearts of people in our direction. Okay, you got that? So we find favor. God gives favor. A second thing that God gives, 
Most definitely is strength. Now, I don't want to disappoint my vegetarian friends. I won't raise your hand. I won't have you raise your hand. Uh, people will look at you funny. Seriously? <laughs> you don't eat meat? No, I'm just okay. kidding. Uh, I do have some friends I, uh, that are in our church that are vegetarians. I get that. I don't want to disappoint you. I don't think that this is a command in Scripture that you should never eat meat. Okay? I'm just going to say that right up front. Uh, what they, and by the way, what they did here is they lived on vegetables and water. So 14 and 15-year-old boys are living on vegetables and water. How are you liking that idea? You guys, yeah, give me some lettuce and some water. I'm good to go. Uh, that'll work. Even my vegetarian friends know that you need some protein, right? And you get it some, I don't know, tofu. I don't know how else you get protein. Does tofu have protein? Beans? Eggs? Okay, if you, if you have eggs, I don't know. But you have to have some protein. You know that. You know you need a little bit of fats, right, healthy fats, stuff like that. Vegetables and water is not good. Somehow, by the way, there was a pastor a few years ago who introduced his whole congregation to the idea of the Daniel diet. I don't know if you're familiar with this. He was teaching through Daniel, and he said, hey, I need to lose some weight. Why don't we all for 30 days go on the Daniel diet? Uh, or not all, but all, all of us who want to do that. Now, the guy did have the right idea in that this, and I, I want to say this because I think this is a truth. Our physical health is connected to everything else, and it is connected to our spiritual health. Okay? However, uh, I don't think that this is a command that we all ought to go on the Daniel diet. Okay? Uh, or, or, or do this like that. But I think, you know, in this circumstance, this is specific, and you see that they were given extra strength to deal with what was going on. They would have had to, because basically, if they're eating kale and water, they're going to need a little extra strength. You know, understand what I'm saying here. Uh, so God definitely gave them the strength that was needed uh, to follow him and to obey him uh, like they wanted to. So God gave favor. God gave strength. The third thing is, obviously, God gave them abilities 10 times better than the others they ended up. God, gave, God equipped them. The Bible says when we come to him, when we uh, receive him and become part of his family, God gives us gifts. And those gifts are for the benefit of the church that uh, we can use them to help him. And all of us have at least one gift. All of us have some abilities. And by the way, they're different. There is differentness. The different parts of the body do different things, so our gifts are different, but we all have that. So God gives favor. God gives strength. God gives abilities. Biggest thing, okay? I, I, I can't tell if you're with me today. You with me? Okay, good. All right, because if you're, if you're not, it's time to come back, okay? Everybody put, come back because you don't want to miss this. The biggest thing I want you to remember in this story is that God gave exile. You say, what? This is kind of an ouch. But verse number 2 says that very plain. God gave Israel over to Babylon. Okay, it says that. Okay. Do you know who wrote the book of Daniel? Daniel. So in Daniel's thinking, he understood that what was happening had come from the hand of God. Ouch. Do you agree? Ouch. Ooh. Wait a minute. Didn't really like, I don't really like this leader, the God that you put in my life. Daniel says, God gave Jehoiakim and Israel over to Babylon. He says, I get it. God is still large and in charge. And Daniel didn't, uh, okay, you ready for this? I made this up myself. Daniel didn't crumble. He didn't fall apart. Daniel didn't rumble. He didn't rebel. And Daniel didn't grumble. He didn't get on Facebook and tell all of his friends what was wrong. Uh, as as 
And that's a scientific fact right there. Uh, but, uh, but, and by the way, that little three, three words, I didn't even steal that from somebody else. I made that up myself. Uh, he didn't crumble, he didn't rumble, and he didn't grumble. I'm pretty proud of that. Uh, but, the, but the whole idea is why was he able to do that? Why was he able to respond the right way? Is because he says, I get this. This came from the hand of God. Okay, and this, this is a tough point, this, this, but probably the most important point that we gather from this is to understand that God is in charge. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm pointing to Jeremy because we've sung about that in a couple different songs. He is the good, good father. And, uh, and even though I, I you know, don't always see that, Daniel knew that God knew what he was doing. Daniel wrote this book. Okay, Daniel was the one who said, it's like this. Now, I've told you before, I'm incredibly shallow <laughs> Actually, I could stop right there, yes. Uh, but I'm incredibly shallow in my movie and TV watching. I do not like to watch anything that doesn't make me happy at the end. I think it's a waste of time. Uh, last night we were watching uh, Element, not Elementary, Sherlock, the one with Benjamin Cumberbatch, which is just kind of fun to say. Uh, but we watched an episode of this. It was like an hour and 30 minutes. I just, I, I was okay with all the plot twists and when things kept going wrong, but they ended the stupid thing uh, not knowing what's going to happen. He's pointing a gun at a bomb that's going to go off, and they just ended it like that. I'm like, I just watched an hour and 30 minutes to be left hanging. I don't like that. I can watch pretty much anything, and whatever's going to happen, as long as I know it's going to have a happy ending, I don't have to know what the happy ending is. I just got to know it has a happy ending. I guess it's going to know it works out well. I died with, with anxiety, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to watch Benjamin Cumberbatch or say Benjamin Cumberbatch. Uh, again, but uh, because, because of what they did to me last night, it kind of frustrated me. I want to know how things are going to end. And Daniel says, hey, real simple, I can deal with the things going on right now because I know how this ends. I know who's in charge. I know that indeed God has a plan. Uh, so they, therefore, I will resolve to do what's right. Therefore, I will work on the uh, right relationship with people. Therefore, I will behave myself the way I'm supposed to. Got that idea? Okay, if you take nothing else from this morning, if you could remember that phrase, God gave exile. I don't like what's going on right now. Where, where's, where's Pam? She, she left. Where's Pam? We were just talking about this morning. She's in nursery. Pam, are you listening? Okay. Uh, it's just like she says, boy, you know, we were having that, that old people's conversation. Sorry, Pam, I didn't mean to join you, group you in with me as an old person, but uh, that old person's conversation. Yeah, I don't know what the world's going to be like with our, with our children and our grandchildren. I don't know where the world's coming, coming to an end. God gave exile. Okay, can you, can you remember that sometimes in the, in the midst of difficulty? Why could Daniel respond the right way because of that? Jeremy's going to come back up because we're going to close with this song. As he does, I want to tell you something else very important about Daniel. Daniel's a rare guy because the Bible uh, doesn't say anything really negative that he did. Of course, he wrote the book of Daniel. Maybe that's why. Uh, I don't know. But, you know, pretty much we, we can go through every other Bible character and Bible heroes, and we can find out, well, this guy killed somebody. This guy committed adultery. This guy was so depressed he wanted to kill himself. Uh, and we can find, you know, different stories about this guy denied Jesus uh, with different Bible heroes. Daniel, we really don't. We, didn't, we don't find anything negative about him. But I wanted to point this out to you. That doesn't mean there was nothing negative about Daniel. Daniel was a hero of the faith and worth following. 
But the Bible tells us plainly that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So I guarantee you that Daniel was not perfect. I guarantee you that Daniel needed a Savior. And I can guarantee you that the things that Daniel did, he did through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's the only way that people have their sins forgiven and are made right with God. And that is the thing that carries him. He had a belief in God going through. Okay, and I want to mention that because I, I, you know, I think some people think, well, I need to go to church. I need to find out how to live a better life. Okay, yes, sure. Follow Daniel's examples. That's exactly what we talked about, and I really emphasize that today. But I want you to know that none of us are separate. All of us are separated from God. None of us are separated from the fact that we need a Savior in Jesus Christ. And I never want you to think, okay. I found out at church today, I just got to try harder. Because Jesus said all our trying is not going to get us right with him. Only our trust in Jesus Christ. And I would even say this, the key to our behavior going forward and to following Daniel's example is not further resolve, though it is important, but it is further trust that God actually knows what he is doing. I can trust him. He gave this. He sent this in my life. Our Father, please... Um, yeah, I'd love, <laughs> Lord, I know how much I struggle with that phrase that you gave exile, that you give difficulties, that you use these things in our lives. And I'm sure, Lord, that others in here have some things right now that they're like, really, God, I don't get this. So, Lord, I pray that you would give faith where it is lacking. Lord, help us to lean into you. Help us to trust you. And may it impact our lives the way it impacted Daniel's life. I pray in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church. Or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.